Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. I'm excited about what we are starting tonight. We are opening up a series called Love Does. Love Does. I'm thrilled to begin. Hopefully, when you heard that, maybe you asked yourself the question, Love Does What? Exactly. You get to answer that question. Because love is action. Love is never stagnant. It's never static. It's always in action. So love does what is what you get to take home. For the next three, four weeks, we're going to look about what love is. We're going to study where it comes from, how it grows in us, the directions that our love gets, gets spread. But the answer to that question of love does what will always be in your hands. Are you ready to kick this off with me? There's an old fable about a king who had twins. And something went terribly wrong, and the king was, ooh, I'm about to trip. And the king was about to run out of his throne, and his family executed. And so the king had to run for his life, and he dropped off his twins with some local villagers, just local peasants. And he split it for his life. And if, if they raised them, then no one would ever know they were of royal blood, and they would be more safe than on the road with the king where he might be attacked or killed at any time. And so many, many, many years went by and these young men grew to be men. And the day came that the king was able to retake his throne, reestablish order, and it was time to pass the scepter to one of his sons. His sons who had grown up ignorant of their background, ignorant of their lineage or their blood. But something went askew. Which of the twins was born first? Which deserved the right to rule? Which would take the very best care of the kingdom in his stead? And so the king put them to the the test. He had them brought in. Guess what, guys? Your life's about to change forever. But one of you are going to rule and one of you will remain a prince in our house. And so the king in his wisdom gave them each a royal vest. It was beautiful. It was laced with just the most intricate, expensive like fabrics and gems, and it was beautiful. And he said that you are going to wear this vest for the next year. It's going to stay close to your body. You're going to live with it day in and day out. And then a year from now, you're going to present yourselves wearing these royal vests, and I will decide which of you will become king. And so they went out and they did their own thing, and they went home to, I guess, their I don't know, stepdad, their, you know, adopted dad. And one day, an ox cart fell into a ditch. Mud was everywhere. The the ox wasn't able to pull it out. And the two sons were faced with, what do we do now? And one son rushed over to help the guy and began digging out the wheel and just covered himself in mud and eventually pulled and helped this guy leverage it out of there. And the other other son stayed back and said, I I can't get this dirty. A year is going to come. And I'm going to be inspected, and I want to show that I can take good care of the kingdom. 
And then a few more months went by, and you know what? The neighbor's barn caught on fire. And you know what? One son went running into the barn to rescue the animals, and sparks came and singed, singed his vest. And some of the jewels were left behind. And the other one stayed back and said, I can't, I can't damage this. I'm going to be inspected. It's going to be seen by the king. I want him to know that I can take care of the kingdom. And many more months went by. And, and the father needed help out in the field. And one son said, one son said I'll go work with you. And he sweated until, until parts of it were brown from his own sweat. And the other said, I need to stay in. I need to stay in the shade. I can't sweat. I have to present my vest to the king. And I think you guys know where this is going. The day comes and they present themselves. And the king has a choice to make. Who's going to take better care of my kingdom? Who is going to love my people? And it was obvious. The one who took action. The one who was willing to risk his own position. To risk his own wealth for his people. And he became king. We throw the word love around really, really often. I love you, mom. I love the Lakers. I love hamburgers. How do, how do we gauge this thing, love, right? How on earth can we look into the eyes of someone that we're committing the rest of our lives to and say, I love you. And I love gummy bears. <laughs> right? Where's Deegan? Love pizza? Deegan, you in here? Yes. Go pizza. I can't think of a single story or verse in the Bible where love is ever compared to feelings or emotions. Throughout the word, I don't know, search it. Double check me. There is nowhere in the Bible where love is ever related as feelings or emotions. It's always related to action. It's always related to how one character treated another, how one person sacrificed for another. Here's Jesus' words, John 15, I'm going to start in verse 12. Do we have it? John 15? Sweet. Thank you. This is my commandment, Jesus is talking, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Lay down your life for someone else. Love is sacrifice, and it's nothing less. Did y'all catch that? Love is sacrifice, nothing less. 1 John 4, 7 through 10 Jesus actually unpacks, actually it's John, and he's probably quoting Jesus, and he unpacks what love is, and he actually gives the definition of love. Y'all want to check it out? We looked at it last week. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who do not, does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. How? How do we know God's love? Here we go. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atonement for our sins. How do we know God's love? Because God gave. For God so loved the world that he... For God so loved the world that he... Right? Thanks. Overachievers, unite. Love you guys. How does God show love? 
He sacrificed. He extended that to us. I wanted to find sacrifice real quick. This is just like sort of a generic definition that I found online. And it's this. Sacrifice is the act of giving up something that you want in order to get something else or help someone, usually for the sake of a better cause. Sacrifice is laying down something that you want, desire, hope for, for the benefit of someone else or to receive something else, usually for the sake of a better cause. James argues that faith without works with dead is dead. I hope to argue tonight that love without sacrifice is also dead. You can't say to someone, I love you, if you're not willing to give up what you want for them. Is this making a connection? Is that making some sense? Love is a position reversal. Love is saying, I'm actually going to put you over myself. Before this moment, I'm living for me, doing what I want. But when I choose to love you, I'm going to put you above my desires, my hopes, my wants. Does that make sense? Love is sacrifice and it's nothing less. If we were to define love, it would be to say, I choose you and I set myself, what I want, aside for you. This is where we're going wrong in our culture today. We're so hooked on the idea that love is an emotion, that love is what you feel. Because as soon as the feeling is gone, then the love must be gone, right? And we don't seem to quite understand that love means much more, is much deeper, is much harder, is asking much more of us that love is sacrifice. It's saying, we're switching positions now. I'm putting you over my desires. What does a mother do that loves her child? She sacrifices. What does a soldier do that loves his country? He sacrifices. What does a musician do that loves his instrument? He sacrifices. Gives up that time. Gives up maybe friend relationships or whatever and pours themselves in. Think of Mother Teresa. Why is she so well known? Why do we know her as this woman of great love? It's because she was a woman of great sacrifice. God calls her to Calcutta to work with the people that everyone else avoided. And she did nothing but love. You sacrifice for what you love. You'll give your greatest treasures. Your greatest treasures. I say it all the time. Your time, your money, and your energy. And you will put your greatest treasures to, into the thing that you love. Now, if you start reevaluating your life and you're like, whoa, I put so much time into YouTube. I don't really love YouTube, but it's eating up so many hours of my day. Or I'm putting my money into this thing or that thing. Or I'm spending my energy into this sport that I really don't care about that much. If you reevaluate, you start looking where those three gifts are, you may realize that your love is misplaced. There's a wonderful woman in our church. We walk in her shadow. She is a pillar of our faith. When we get to, when we get to heaven, she's going to be like way in the front of the water fountain line. Her name is Miss Bessie. Yeah, I love Miss Bessie too. She's so much fun to give a big hug to. I remember when we were doing the dating series last year, which I can't wait to do again next year. She dropped by my office and she said, you know what love looks like? Love looks like when you grow old with someone and you're willing to change their diapers. That's what love looks like. And you know what? The greatest example of love that I've ever seen, I think, is this guy in our last church named Al Farmer. And I'm using his name because I want to just edify how cool this guy is. When Al was engaged to his wife-to-be, she was climbing the ladder on the back of a boat, and she slipped and fell on her back on, 
on the, the fish box, broke her back. She became an instant paraplegic. No, no, no feeling from her toes up above her waist. No motion, nothing. He knew that to marry her would spend the rest of his life sacrificing. The rest of his life, he would have to carry her back and forth, in and out of bed. He would have to change her diapers. For the rest of his life, he would have to feed her. He would have to move her around. He would always have to make sure that there was room on the plane or the theater. For the rest of his life, he would be getting her back and forth, in and out of seats. He would be completely devoted, minute in, minute out, to her. No more time for his own friends or whatever he's going to do. She would have to become his world if she was going to live and live comfortably. And he still said, I do. And year after year after year, and, and her body, like, it destroys your body to not be able to move. You get, you get bed sores, and, and you're not able to, to lose, you know, the weight by just being in motion, just the regular things that we do. A marriage that, from our perspective, had no kickback, had no emotional, you know, kickback, like, oh, I get to feel good about myself. My wife gets to bless me back. It was complete sacrifice. And Al Farmer said, I do. To a woman that he loved. Log that away. As you fall in and out of romances throughout high school, log that away. This is what love looks like. Love is sacrifice. And if they're not willing to sacrifice for you, or you don't love them enough to sacrifice for them, you're wasting your time. Al Farmer, God bless him. What a cool guy. Jackie and I got to go and visit a friend of ours over the past weekend who got married. And it was a great wedding. And I remember on the way we were talking about, like, man, we had to, like, get the kids together and take off vacation days. And, and Jackie, right now, life is not easy. You know, and we had to go find some place to stay and some place to dump our dog. And it was, it, was, it was hectic. And I remember we were riding, and Jackie and I came to the conclusion, if it was anybody else but Craig, we would not be doing this because this is a lot. We were willing to sacrifice because we loved our friend, to be there to show support. But I want to like take things a little further. I want to show you the way Jesus takes love a little bit further. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46. Check out what Jesus says. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors or the sinners, the non-believers, don't they do the same thing? And if you greet your brethren only, if you say hey to only your friends... What do you do more than others? Don't even tax collectors, unbelievers, sinners, don't they, they do the same thing? When it comes down to it, the, the level of love where you say, I'm willing to sacrifice for my friend or my family or people that love me back is actually bottom level love. Jesus elevates love from there and says, I'm going to take you further. I want you to love strangers. I want you to begin to love and sacrifice for people that are actually hard to love. Isn't that the profound meaning behind the Good Samaritan? Here, let's check this out. Real quick, we're going to do some opening verses, then I'll just kind of tell the rest of the story. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he, he, he's like, this is like the church kid that like knows all the answers and Bible verses. Moses! It's usually right. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, good job. You paid attention in Sunday school. 
You have answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said, But Jesus, come on. Who's my neighbor? Just the guy who lives next door? Just my friends? Just the people that I really get along with, that we see eye to eye? And Jesus launches into this awesome parable. And he starts talking about the people that they really, 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 really don't like. This, this group of people that at one point caused a civil war between the Jews and the Samaritans people. Uh-huh. They were the bad guys. And then after that was all over and they got taken away to another land, what was left was all these other non-Jewish people that came in and they just sort of inbred with them and their religion's all messed up and, and wacko. And we, we just, mm-mm. We don't like, they were on the other team and not having it. And Jesus tells a story about this guy, this Jew, and he's trying to get somewhere. And on the way there, he's cutting through the mountains and he gets like full blown mugged. I mean, they stole his jacket. They stole his money. They stole his horse. They stole his Jordans. Isaac's back there like, they stole his Jordans. What? And they leave him bloody and naked and beat up on the road. Hopeless. Dark's coming, getting cold, wolves are howling, this guy is absolutely toast. And then comes the one guy that every Jew doesn't like. And he comes riding by, you know, previously, the priest, like the pastor guy, sees him, keeps going. The other holy religious guy called a Levite sees him, crosses the street and keeps going. But that one guy who really, really, really wasn't liked, he's the one that stops. He's the one that takes his own oil and wine and heals him and wraps him up and throws him over his donkey, carries him into town, pays to get a hotel room so this guy can heal and recover. It's that guy. And Jesus is like, come on, who was the, who was the neighbor? Was it the, was it the priest? Was it the Levite? And the guy's stuck. Like, how can he get out of this? Uh, it was the, 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 you know, the, the one that helped him, right? And Jesus hits him with the zinger. Go, do likewise. Go love people. Love the hard to love people. The people that you, you usually walk the other way around. Because you know what? There's a whole lot of religious people that aren't doing this. You go and do likewise. Jesus elevates it from, sure, we can love our friends back. Hmm. And he takes it up here. Now I want you to go out and love the people that are hard to love. Love the strangers. Be willing to sacrifice. I wonder when it came down to it, who was more wealthy, the Jew or the Samaritan? But it was the Jew that was robbed, and it was probably the poorer that was willing to sacrifice for a stranger that didn't even like him. Jesus is awesome. You see, this is where most of us get off the boat. We're like, "Mm, I can love my friends. But uh, come on, let's be honest. Most of the time we'll love if we get emotional kickback, right? If, if they appreciate the way that we loved them or they will do something nice for us in the future or just makes our friendship stronger, you know, squad. But are we really willing to sacrifice for somebody that doesn't appreciate us? Are we willing to sacrifice for somebody that takes us for granted? That's sort of uncomfortable, right? Because that's where we get off the boat. We're like, "Mm -mm, didn't appreciate it, I'm out. Luke 6, 35, Jesus says that he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Remember the verse we read in 1 John? That Jesus, before we could love him, loved us. 
selfless love is so rare among non-Christians. It's rare to find a selfless love amongst non-Christians. Because even whenever they see the, the starving kid in black and white on TV, and they're like, cut the check, in a lot of ways, they're still getting the emotional kickback of, I'm a really good person now, because I just helped. You know, stand in the soup line, or, or give that really big Christmas present, or whatever, they still get the appreciation, or whatever. And you know what? Christians were not any different. Most of the time, we still are willing to sacrifice because we feel appreciated and we feel good about ourselves. Isn't that how we promote events so many times? Come on out and do this great thing. Make this, this shoebox to send away to, and then you know what? You're going to feel awesome because you did something great. That's still selfish. Jesus is saying, I want you to love even when you get nothing in return, when there's no kickback. Ouch. Jesus Jesus even says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just love, sacrifice, move on. Don't even pat yourself on the back. We do a lot of this. And then Jesus takes it even further. Oh, Jesus, what are you doing? Will we love people who love us back? Will we love the strangers and the hard to love? And then Jesus really kicks us in the teeth here. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Woo, Jesus. What are you doing? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, rebels, enemies, stiff-arming, hand in the face, God, Jesus still died for you and for me. Full-on ungrateful, didn't care, only selfish, only what mattered was what was going on in our lives, and Jesus did it for us. He chose us. He gave himself for us. Huh. And then Jesus turns around, having been the perfect example of this, and in Matthew 5, 43 through 44, you know this, but love your enemies. Do good to those who abuse you and speak against you. Let me read it. Is that an actual verse? No, okay. Y'all know this verse. Love your enemies. Jesus lives the example. So we love those who love us. We love the stranger and the hard to love. And he elevates it even higher. I'm asking you to go love your enemies. The people that beat Jesus. The people that stuffed the crown of thorns on his head. The people that were spitting in his face and mocking him. And he turns around and goes, God, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. What kind of love is that? It's sacrifice. It's not a love that's based on feelings. It's not a love that's based on emotions. It's completely based on a decision to choose someone else over ourselves. Jesus chose you over himself, over his feelings. And he calls us to go do the same. Love is a sacrifice and it's nothing less. There's a story. I don't know if it's true. I kind of hope it is, but it doesn't matter. It's still a great story. It's about this young family that moved into the neighborhood of this old man. And every morning, the old man would go out and sit on his porch. He'd drink his sweet tea, and he'd call it a day. He'd watch the cars, and he'd watch whatever was going on, and he'd turn in for the night. And this young family moved in, and there was no other kids for this young boy to play with. And the young boy became a menace in this guy's life. He would constantly come over, and he'd be like, I don't know just playing pranks on him, ringing the doorbell at all hours of the night. It was like the kid had it in for him. Over and over and over again, the kid was just a problem. And the old man would try to be so gracious and everything. Like, try to find, like, I don't know, give the kid a cookie, whatever. But the kid was over and over and over again just menacing this guy, being a problem. 
And then one day from the old man's porch, he saw the smoke in the house down the street and realized their home was on fire. And like a shot, he was down the road and he looked up into the house and he could see the kid up on the second story and the kid had no way down and the room behind him were nothing but flames. And the old man grabbed the side of the piping on the side of the house and the piping was blazing hot from the fire and he scaled the side of the wall and he brought the kid down to safety, but not without terribly scarring his hands. And he went to the hospital and he had to have flesh put back and bandaged up and he wasn't able to use his hands for a long time. But the worst of the whole situation was that boy's parents died in the fire and he was now an orphan. And he would go before court and the court would decide where he was to go. Was he to become a ward of the state now? Was there anybody that would step up and fill the gap for this kid? And the old man put his name in. But he's old. You don't, you don't let single old widowers like adopt kids. You're looking for young people, young families. And so they called him up and they said, Sir, is there any reason that we should give him to you? He didn't have to speak. He just showed him his hands. Love is sacrifice. Nothing less. We have to be careful how we use the word love in our lives. Will we love sacrificially? You have to be careful who you believe when they say that they love you. Are they willing to sacrifice? Girls, my heart breaks for you. Please make good decisions. Please, 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 please make good decisions. Kick out the jokers. They ain't worth your time. Because if he's not willing to lay himself down for you, he won't in the future either. How do we love our parents? How do we love siblings? Maybe they're the hard to love. Maybe they're the enemies. How do we love people at school? How do we love the people that are hard? There's going to have to be a, a position reversal where we say, you know what? Jesus tells me to do this. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I don't get good feelings about it, but I choose you over myself. So here we go. What is the do love challenge for the week? It's so simple. Everyone, close your eyes, bow your heads. Prop your elbow up. Show me a fist. Everyone, show me a fist. Close your eyes, bow your heads. People still looking at me. I see you. I'd like you, in the next minute or so, think about two people in your life that I'd like to challenge you to love this week. And the first person is going to be somebody who is easy to love. And the second person is someone hard to love. Now, as you think of them, I want you to put a finger up for the person easy to love. And I want you to put a finger up for the person hard to love when you get there. I want to give you the time. I want to pray for a minute. Just, just soak in the spirit. Let him bring someone to mind. Heavenly Father, you have an army of saints here. You have the body of Christ. And we are willing vessels for you. Lord, and I think that in this room, there's a few of us that are willing to say, I take the challenge. Lord, I pray that you're going to begin to bring names to mind, faces, 
They're going to begin to bubble up to the surface. So that this isn't our idea. Lord, this is your idea, and you've been planning this for a long time, and we're just now figuring out the program. Lord, I pray right now, you're going to bring people to mind that are easy to love, and you're going to bring people that are hard to love to mind. All right, put them up in the air so I can see when you've got your two. That second one's kind of hard, isn't it? Thank you, God, for Jesus who did it for us. Oh, Lord, give us discipline and strength. Empower us to do what feels impossible, to love even if there's no reward. Have your way in us, Lord. You guys can put your hands down. If you weren't able to fully answer that question, it's okay. God's not done. I'm looking forward to e-groups tonight. I think it's going to be fun to talk about some of these things. But don't let go of the challenge just because we changed gears. Put it in your phone. Write yourself a note. Write their name and stick it in the mirror. Whatever you got to do, challenge yourself this week. And I'm telling you, if you let it go, if you're like, I'll get around to it, you won't. Love this week. Be intentional. Sacrifice. A little bit of time. It's worth it. Lord, we offer it up to you. We're yours. Lord, I pray you bless these e-group leaders. Fill them with the mind of Christ. Help them to lead in a way that gives you glory and plant seeds. Lord, I pray for every student under the care of these e-group leaders. Lord, I pray that we will be fertile soil. Lord, that we will dig something great out of this. It's totally going to stick. Lord, have your way in us. Thank you, Lord, for SUM. Lord, I pray you bless their ministry and that they are launching disciple makers into all the world. Thank you, Lord, for a worship team that worships so freely. Thank you, Lord, for a production team that is here early and always sacrificing because they love Elevate. But more than that, they love you. It's not about a building. Thank you, Lord, for all these leaders, week in and week out, that show up because they love you and they love students. Have your way in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.